You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. I wanted to do a, a short talk today on this idea of epiphany. Uh, but before we do, let's pray. Father, we understand that you are always at work, that you are always speaking. And Lord, our desire this morning is that we would be listening and that we would hear the things that you would speak into our souls that would help us to grow, to develop a a closer relationship with you and to mature, Father, as your disciples. And I pray that you would give me clarity of thought. And Father, that we would again step into this relationship with you and allow it to affect us in how we live and how we see the world around us. And I do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, if you were here for Easter, is it warm in here? No. No people fanning. It's perfect in here. I know last week someone posted that it was like an igloo in here, so I'll just leave it like it is. If I start perspiring, it's your fault. Okay, so last week, when we were talking about the resurrection, we were talking about those kind of defining moments, those intersections of life where, where things make a change. But before that change and that intersection takes place, there is this click, this epiphany that takes place. And the idea, the word epiphany is a moment when you suddenly feel that you understand or suddenly become conscious of something that is very important to you. It's awareness. It's like all of a sudden the lights go on. The word actually has in its definition the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as presented by the Magi. That's part of the definition, the original definition of the word epiphany. And I think that's interesting because when you think of the manifestation of Christ, that was an aha moment. Oh, this is what God has been up to. And now we see it. Now the mystery of God has unfolded in the person, in the birth of Christ. And it is those moments that take place that allow us to all of a sudden see things that we have never seen before. We become aware of something in a way that we have never been aware of it before, and it changes how we move forward. You think of so many times, and we're going to look at a few of them in Scripture, but I think of Moses wandering in the wilderness and coming upon that burning bush and then saying, why is the bush burning going there? And then God ministers to him and says, I have heard the cry of these people and I'm sending you. And I can imagine Moses having one of those, oh, that's why I was born in Egypt, raised up in Pharaoh's household, and here I am. 
All of a sudden, that light comes on. I, I can remember going through this uh, seminar. It was, a, I think, a three- or four-day seminar. It was one of those things where you go in early and you stay up late, and they just kind of make you do all these things. So at the end, you're just like, please give me a break. I'll believe anything. No, it wasn't. Com- it was just one of these intense kind of workshops. But one of the things that happened in that workshop was talking about how we get so focused on what we feel that we don't focus on how we present ourselves. And I had an aha epiphany moment when I thought of my relationship with my wife and my kids. And I thought, you know, they're upset with me or they think I'm angry, but I'm not. So they just got to learn that I'm not. Instead of, well, what are you doing that's making them feel that way? See, I never thought about that. I just knew how I felt. No, I love you. We're good. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, why are they seeing that in me? And how can I change the way I present myself so that they don't see me in that way? It was an aha moment. And then I let it go and I just kept on thinking the way I did. No, (laughs) it's hard to change. You get used to those things, but that aha, it's like I never looked at it that way. And looking at that in this way changed the way I looked at a lot of things and how we present ourselves and how people are reading us. So instead of blaming others, I start looking at myself and saying, what can I do to change how you feel about me? And so it's one of those areas where you have to change. Even Albert Einstein said, I never made one of my discoveries through the process of rational thinking. That's amazing. Albert Einstein, a scientist, never made any of his discoveries through rational thinking. How did it happen? Boom, an epiphany. An idea jumps in his mind And it's an aha moment that now moves him in a direction. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. Here we have the story of Jacob. You'll be familiar with these stories starting at verse 10. Genesis 28 verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. 
He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other, none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, through the city, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob is running for his life. He has tricked his brother Esau. He goes to sleep and he has this dream. He wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is here and I was not aware of it. I love that line. And although Jacob saw that as the space where he was staying, where he was sleeping, and he saw this as a local area, we know that God was already there. Jacob just wasn't aware of it. Jacob wasn't aware that God was with him everywhere. You see, it was the God of his father, Abraham. It was the God of his father, Isaac. But now it was going to be his God. And as he's having this dream and the Lord speaks to him in this dream, he is aware that God is wanting to continue the promise that he gave to his father and to his grandfather to him. And so now he is a part of the promise and he becomes aware of it. And I love at the end because Jacob goes on and he says, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this. You know, what a thing to say to God, right? God, if you'll be good to me, then maybe I'll follow you. It's kind of comical, but it's what he was thinking. And I think it's important sometimes to ask, why did people find it important to tell the story in this way? And it really is because of what is taking place in Jacob and the transformation that is going to happen to Jacob. We see him having this conversation with God saying, hey, God, if you'll do this for me, then I'll go ahead and do this for you. At the end of his journey, he's crippled, wrestling with God. And he recognizes his name is changed to Israel. I'm not going to now have this conversation with you, God. I'm going to allow you to have this conversation with me. But it began with this little moment where he was aware of God. And I wonder maybe if you can remember back in your life when you had this awareness of God. Maybe it wasn't Jesus. Maybe it was just as a child, all of a sudden you had this idea that, well, God is out there. I can remember as a child thinking that, you know, I don't remember. I saw a TV program or something where they talked about God and all of a sudden it was like this thought that there's some God out there, that there is this being who's who's actually working in all of this. And to me, all of a sudden it just clicked and said, that makes sense. It was this aha moment as a child. I don't know, maybe I was six years old or something. And all of a sudden I had this thinking like, man, 
yeah, I think that's true. And it's almost as if my soul was in communion with God before my mind could understand how to tie my shoes right, right? I'm like having this internal conversation that doesn't really start to show up more defined until later. But there was definitely this moment where I said, yeah, God, that makes sense. It's not just me and it's not just all that I see, that there is meaning underneath all these things that I see. There actually is a creation which requires the creator. And so we see this taking place with Jacob. And sometimes that epiphany, that aha moment, will start to soak into us and start to develop questions and start to get us to look at things a little bit differently or ask things a little bit differently so that we start pursuing things that we would not have pursued otherwise. Last week we talked about just how, you know, Mary saw Jesus as one way, but all of a sudden when he was alive, she had to see him in a different way. And many of us have to do the same thing. We, we believe in God, but now there comes a defining moment where maybe we have to believe God a little bit differently. And that's what we see in the next passage I want to look at is Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, we have Peter's account with Jesus. Again, one of these aha moments, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. These are all good things, by the way. These are all compliments. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. We're going to stop there. This is kind of one of those passages where I think, what a jip for Peter. You know, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, this aha moment. And then Jesus says, yeah, you didn't figure that out. God gave that to you. And I wonder how many of those epiphany moments are just that where all of a sudden we have an awareness that we weren't aware of before, and it's actually just God speaking to us. It's God giving us that insight, helping us to see. In John six forty four, Jesus says, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up in the last day. And so there's this kind of, God has to give us an awareness and an understanding of who he is, otherwise we would be oblivious to it. But I believe he does. I believe it's inerrant. I believe we were created in his image, and so it's there. 
It's kind of like you see one of your kids and all of a sudden, even as a baby, they start doing some of the things that you used to do as a kid. You know, maybe they're, you know, grinding their teeth or picking their nose. I don't know, whatever those things are. They're, they're doing something. It's like, hey, that's you. You know, that looks like you. And all of a sudden it's like, well, where did, I didn't teach him that. You know, where, where did he learn that? You know, I mean, all of a sudden you see them and it's just like, what's going on? It's like, well, it's genetics too. You know, the reason they look like you, the reason they have your gait when they walk, the reason they have their kind of posture, all those things, a lot of those things are genetics. That's a part of who they are. And, and I wonder, as we are created in the image of God, how much of that spiritual DNA is there that gives us the ability to have this interaction with God that we would normally just be oblivious to, but all of a sudden we can have these epiphanies like Peter saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was actually God ministering to us and speaking to us. And all of a sudden there becomes an awareness. I can remember there being a situation I was in. I just became a follower of Christ. And, and I was with some of my friends and I was in a situation and I'm not going to go into the detail, but I had the opportunity to get involved in a situation and I would normally have just jumped at the chance to be involved in this situation. And all of a sudden I felt... God was saying, don't do this. And I remember thinking, that's strange. Why would I not do this? I always did this. And I was aware that God was speaking to me. And all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with the fact that the God who I've just put my trust in, who I've just said, okay, I believe in you, Jesus, show up in my life, is actually showing up in my life, is actually speaking to me. Have you ever had one of those things where you're doing something and then you have this kind of conviction like you shouldn't do that? What is that? That is the God giving you insight into a situation. God is speaking to you. Oh my goodness, this rattled me. It shook me up. It's like, is he always going to be speaking to me? How is this going to affect my life? The awareness that God had a voice into my heart was overwhelming. I remember tears welling up in my eyes as I said no to the situation. And I just thought, I actually hear from God. This is unbelievable that he spoke to me. And unfortunately, most of the times that he speaks to me, it's when I'm about to do something I shouldn't. And God says, don't do that. But that's okay. I'll take it. But there are those times where all of a sudden he'll speak to you and you'll be led to do something. You'll be led to say something. You have that epiphany. All of a sudden it's that insight You're the Christ, the son of the living God. The Lord loves you. The Lord cares about you. The Lord's going to help you through this situation. The Lord wants to speak to you. Whatever it is in that moment, all of a sudden the reality of God is a reality to you and it changes everything. It changes how you move forward. It changes how you see yourself in that situation, how you are no longer subject just to the situation, but you have a choice in it. 
And I love this passage because immediately after Peter gives this proclamation and Jesus gives him the kings to the kingdom, Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. Okay, because even though we have epiphanies, even though we get revelations from God, we still have to make decisions. We still have to make choices based on that insight. If Einstein just had an idea but did nothing with it, then we wouldn't have had his theories come about. He had the idea and then he followed it. And so maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you're laying your head on the stone and you're not realizing that God is here and maybe there is an awakening to his voice. That DNA that he instilled in you in the creation is starting to come alive and Christ comes into the picture and it's a voice now that you can hear and understand as a relationship with God is restored. And maybe now as that voice starts to become louder and more clear and it starts to direct your life, you have a process of what you're going to do with that direction, which takes us to our last passage in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that was those who were following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed. Around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecute? Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless and they heard a sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said. Let's continue reading. The Lord told him, go to the house of of Judas on Straight Street and ask him for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I don't think any of us have had an encounter with God the way Saul did, where the light flashed, where he was blinded. But I bet you've had encounters. 
I bet there's been situations in your life and very possibly they were traumatic situations. You get in a car accident, you go to the doctor, hear a diagnosis, and all of a sudden there is this moment and there is a cry from your soul to God. And you're like, oh God, why is this happening to me? Or maybe this happens and you think, oh God, you're trying to get my attention. And there is now the awareness of something that you have to respond to. And that response is important. Because when there is that moment where the light goes on, that epiphany of an awareness of God or an awareness that you're in a situation that needs God or you need to change your situation, God has done his part and now he's entrusting you and your freedom to do your part. To make the choice of how you will proceed. He did that with Saul, and he did it also with Ananias, who had to go to Saul. When God speaks, how do you respond? You see, what's amazing to me is I believe that God speaks to me. I believe I hear his voice And that's not even the most amazing thing because that's pretty unbelievable. What is really unbelievable to me is there's sometimes I don't listen. And that troubles me. That I could believe that God of all creation is speaking to me and that I would choose not to respond. And and the truth is we have to own that when it happens. Otherwise, we're living a lie and this dynamic and this revelation that God gives to us means nothing. These epiphanies that we have will, will dwindle away and become silent. Why? Because we're playing a game and we're not actually living in relationship. The reason Paul became the man he became was because God got his attention and then he responded. The reason Jacob became Israel is because God got his attention and then he had to respond. The reason Peter changed from Simon to Peter is because God got his attention then he had to change. And in the middle... He had some pitfalls. In the middle, you're going to have some pitfalls. But will you own the truth that God sometimes speaks to you and you choose not to listen to the creator of the universe because you want to live your own life? You see, for some of us, that's the epiphany. For some of us, that's the moment of awareness that, oh my gosh, I'm playing religion. I'm singing to the Lord. I'm praising God. I'm lifting my hands. I hear from God, but then I ignore him and go on living my life as if he has no voice in me at all. And maybe the light went on for you. 
And God's saying, I just wanted you to be aware. I know what's going on. I still love you. I still am going to speak. I'm still in this place. Are you aware of it? And if you're aware of it, will you hear my voice? And will you respond to it? Because the only time an epiphany makes any difference is if the light goes on, it illuminates our path, and we walk. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Let's pray. God, I believe you are in this place and maybe there are some that are not aware of it. Or maybe they are and the light has gone on and they have heard your voice speaking to their soul and illuminating an area that needs to change or illuminating an area that you are wanting to step into. And Lord, I I pray if we have heard your voice, then today we would respond that we wouldn't harden our hearts again. We wouldn't choose to ignore the voice of the Creator. That we would not only be in awe that you speak to us, but we would be in awe that you have given us the power and the freedom to choose whether we will listen or not. Lord, with that freedom, may we not sense just the opportunity to choose wrong, but may we recognize the potential to choose right. May may the light illuminate the power that you have entrusted us to be able to move forward with the things that you speak to us. And God, I pray for everyone who is here who you have spoken to, who has had an aha moment with you even this morning. Lord, I pray that they would recognize it. I pray that they would choose to hear and follow. And Lord, might our lives' directions, like Jacob, like Peter, like Saul to Paul, change. May the light illuminate the direction we need to move. And may we move. Let's stand together. I feel impressed to say one more thing before we close. There's a passage in 1 Samuel where the Lord instructs Samuel to conquer and to destroy the enemy, and Samuel doesn't do it. He actually takes some of the spoil, and the prophet Samuel goes to Saul, the king, excuse me, and says, why do I hear the the sheep, and why do I hear this? And he tells Saul that to obey is better than sacrifice. And and that used to mean to me this idea of obedience was this kind of religious thing that you have to do. But the 
epiphany that I had is the obey better than sacrifice is obedience is the relationship that we enter into where we actually allow God to speak to us and change us. And I believe that God is speaking to certain things in our lives and he's saying to us to obey is better than to sacrifice. It's not about you going to church. It's not about you doing these things. I want that voice in your life that will change your life. Otherwise, it means nothing. And the voice will grow quieter because we are turning a deaf ear because we don't really want to hear what he says because we'd rather have what we want. And so I pray that you would wake from your slumber. That you would hear his voice. And that you would walk into a relationship with the living God and obey what he says. God bless you guys. Have a great day, a great rest of the week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.